Here's the opening quote. Brendan Manning, uh, this, this guy, I love his books. He wrote uh, Vagabond, I mean, Vagabond, it's, here's, the, here's the quote. My message, unchanged for 50 years, is this. God loves you unconditionally as you are, not as you should be, because nobody is as they should be. That is the message of grace. If there was a topic that always draws me in, if there's a topic that's my go-to that I always want to talk about when speaking of the word is what? It's grace. The more I understand it, the less I could explain it. And how, who, knows, who knows what I'm talking about? The more grace is one of those things. The more you understand it, the more you get it, the less, the less you get it, the less you, you understand it. Amen? There's something about the heart of the Father that no matter what happens, no matter who shows up, no matter what's done, no matter what's not done, the heart of the Father is always to make it right. Here's another quote. Grace is not simple leniency when we've sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Wow. And so... Here's what I, what I want to work on today. If faith grows from hearing the word, right? Faith comes by hearing. If faith grows from hearing the word, then grace grows. Grace flourishes. Grace is understood in community. The only way to understand grace is in community. Not just any community, in church. In a church community. I'm sorry that made you sad, baby. Oh, she's laughing. She's happy. That made her happy. We're good. We're good. For gr- <laughs> That's my granddaughter, by the way. For grace is given not because we've done good works, but in order that we can do them. Grace is the love that gives, that loves the unlovely and the unlovable. That's ever been you, say amen. (laughs) Max Licato says, the meaning of life, the wasted years of life, the poor choices of life, God answers the mess of life with one word, grace. And so here's the picture I want you to get this morning. The scripture tells us in Ephesians that it teaches us that the father adopted us into the family. How many of you know you're adopted? Right, amen? If you're here, you're adopted. It don't matter if you're Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban, Af- uh, Nigerian. It don't matter where you're from, you're adopted. Amen? Even Dominicans, really. <laughs> really. Sorry, Juan. It's because I love you, bro. So, so, see, we were outcasts. We were strangers. We were, we were outsiders, but the Father wanted to make it right. And we were adopted. Listen, let me get, here's the picture I want you to get. I have two daughters who I love with everything that I have. If I were, when they were younger, let's say, to adopt a child. Don't worry, I'm not doing that, girls. 
and bring them into my family, I would want my daughters to love them as much as I did because I adopted them, right? And I would want her or him to love my daughters as much as I do because I, we've, we've come to, we're family, amen? I would want them to, to, to work it out. It would take work. How many of you know how many blended families in here? It takes work. It would, depending on the age of the community, depending on their age, if they were all babies when they came in, we grew up as a family and it would be a little easier. But we're not. We come in at different times, don't we? So depending on the age they get adopted and depending on when and how they're brought into the family, there might be some issues. How many of you know we got to work through some stuff? We might have some jealousy. We might have some abandonment issues. We might have some territorial issues. We might have some insecurities to work through. We might have some, uh, um, <coughs> some all, all kinds of, 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 um, of thoughts, of pictures, of, of the, the pictures that are in their minds. There might be some abuse that we'd have to deal with. There might be some past hurts that we'd have to deal with. That we'd have to nurture and take care of. There might be some, some pictures of or ideas of how a family should be and how a family grows and does life together. But even in this scenario, my heart, the heart of the father still wants to make it right. Right? I, I would want it in my house. I would want to make it right. And with that goal, one day that we will ourselves see ourselves as one true family. But isn't that the church? That's what I want you to get. Isn't that the church? Some of us might have come broken. Some of us might have come in here so guarded, maybe because we haven't felt loved before. When a person feels unlovable, how, how many of you know it's hard for them to love? When a person feels unloved, it's hard for them to be nice. There's some people sitting next to you today, they're just not nice. And you might have some, and you might have be, you know, there might be some people, you probably sit on the opposite side of them, right? So, so there's people on this side that don't sit over there because there's some people over here that are not nice. And there's some people that sit over here because they don't want to sit, because there's some people over here that are not nice. But maybe if we could just understand where they're coming from. Some people are so hurt. Some people are so wounded. They're so guarded. They, they feel so unlovable. It's hard to love. Amen? But we still, if, 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 if the church were to see that we're a family, then we would just have to understand that we have to make this thing work. That we have to, the heart of the Father is to make it right. Let me give it to you in the scripture so you don't think it's just my Cuban nonsense. 1 Peter 4.8 says it this way. Above all, above all, what's all? You want the Greek or the Hebrew transliteration of all? It's, it means everything, above everything. Above all. That's not a difficult word. Above all, more important than anything else, it says love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. My God, could you imagine if instead of always trying to point and always trying to blow people's spot up, imagine if our love covered over people's sins. Now, don't get that wrong. That doesn't mean we, we cover it over to hide it or we cover it over so that that didn't happen. No, we, but we cover it while we deal with it. Man, that's love. We cover it while we deal with it. We cover it while we nurture it. Everybody doesn't have to know that, that one thing, right? And so the, the, the ones in that area has to work on those things with them. So they don't need to know that. Amen? 
That's the church. That's family. That might not be your family and mine. I know it's not. But, but this is the family that we're called to be. God is calling us to make it right. He says, offer hospitality to one another. It's getting hot in here. Amen. I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Thank you, man. Offer, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of us should use, watch this, each of us should use whatever gift we've received to serve others. As faithful stewards, caretakers, another version says, of God's grace. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen? So, so, so listen, each of us should use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. I want you to get a picture of that word. If, if you're a steward, that means you're a man. Manager. That means the steward is in charge, right? So you're in charge of the grace that God has given you. I'm a manager of grace. If I'm a steward of grace, that means I'm in charge of it. God makes us managers of what he gives us. Remember the parable of the miners and the parable of the talents, right? He, the manager gives each a certain amount, and then, and then he comes back and he says, what have you done with what I gave you? Whatever God puts in your care to manage and to, to make good with, the, the manager in the parable came back and he said, what have, what have you done with what I've given you? And to, that, to those that multiplied it, to those that used it and managed it well, he said, come, enjoy my happiness. Come and be with me, enjoy my happiness. Amen? In Romans 12, it says we're members. I know I kill that verse all the time, but I love it. I feel it. I own it. We're members of one another. Speaking of membership, people have been asking me about it. I, I read about this church a long time ago, and I pretty much adopted this here for years now. Listen up. If you've been here long enough with us to get hurt or offended by someone, and you've decided to forgive them and stay... You remember. <laughs> just ask an usher for a membership form. I printed about a hundred of them today. People have been asking me about membership requirements, you know, and well, there it is. If you've received grace and then you've had to give grace to someone here, if you have to forgive someone here and, and you can still worship with them and you can still listen to the word together and you can still work together and, and you've been able to be a steward of God's grace instead of making it ugly, you've been able to make it right, then ask any usher for a form you're in. Welcome to membership. Now listen, there are some things that are not up to you. How many get that? Some people don't want to be right. <laughs> You ever met somebody like that in church? Not this church, but other churches, right? <laughs> Some people just don't want to be right. Leave me alone. Leave me in my funk. I'm good. I know it's been three years, but I'm good. Right? But the word says, the word has a, the, God speaks to us about that too. Romans 12, it says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. So you want to be funky? Be funky. I'm good. God bless you. I'm going to worship on this side. <laughs> Amen? God is calling us to make it right. 
Listen, if there's one thing that the church needs to understand, thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> if there's one thing that the church needs to understand is that God allows, look, this, this will change your theology if you haven't understood this yet. God allows us to, to choose the measurement by which we're judged by. What are you talking about? Give me scripture. Okay, Mark 4, 24. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Wait, that's not just one. I'm not cherry picking. Matthew 7, 2, in regards to judgment. With the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Wait, there's more. Luke 6, 38, as far as giving. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. How much grace did you need when you first got here? <laughs> Would you show at least that much to somebody else? Man, this is one thing that gets me twisted. And when people come in, they could come in stinky, they could come in funky, they could come in grimy, they could come in angry, hurt, but, and, and, and we show them grace. Right? And they could come in stinking like the weekend's club. They could come in smelling like everything they drank on Saturday. Come on, don't act like it's not, like we didn't. Anyway. <laughs> they come in smelling like whatever they were smoking, and, and we still got hugs, we still loved, we still showed them grace. Then they have this encounter with God, and they get super righteous and holy, and they can't take nobody else's stink. That, those are the people I revoke membership from. Just take his card. Take his card. His, I got cards printed up with the three local churches. Here, here you go. Pick a church. This one's not for you, bro. Like, that's, you, you, you know what I'm saying? We've been shown grace. We've been made managers of grace. Manage that grace. What have you done with what I've given you, says God? We grow in grace by extending grace. When you understand God's math, I know some of you are wrestling with the kids' new math. Anybody? Somebody tried to ask me about it. I, was, I almost lost my brain. It was two plus two is four. No, no, there's a four-page thing to figure that out now. When God's math is just fun, it makes no sense. Two plus two could be 400. Come on. Two plus, one plus one could be 4,000 in God's math. That's just how it works. He, he's able to do abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. So when you understand his math, God has given us everything we need. Ephesians 4.11 says, Christ himself gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. So that we can be built up until we all reach what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God gave us everything we need in one another so that we can be mature and we can be full. When we don't work it out with each other, we miss the gifts that God put in that person to make us full and mature. All right, that wasn't. 
I'll let that come around and hit you later. 14 says, so then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each as each part does its work. I wish people would stop coming to church and expecting us to do all the work. As each one does its work. You're a manager of the grace that God has given you. You're a manager of the gift that God has given you. You're a manager of the talents that God has given you, of the minors that God has put in your hand, of the money that God has given. You're a manager of the gift, of every, everything that's, every good and perfect gift that's from the Father of lights. Amen? Amen? You're a manager of that gift. So how big is God's grace? Here's a, here's a good question. Thanks for asking, Derek. How big is God's grace? What kind of portion does God measure out with. Look at, this is crazy. We, let, we learned in Ephesians that to each of us have been assigned a measure of faith, right? Well, then later on in John, it says, in, in 116, it says, out of the fullness, out of his fullness, we've received grace in place of the grace that's already been given. Come on, that's good. You've already been given a measure of grace. And then he says, in his fullness, because I got so much, I'm going to give you grace on top of the grace you've already been given. How many need that today? <clears throat> this made me remember my father. My, my wife always tells me, you got to think of the good things about people and remember the good things. And don't remember people for the, for the things, the bad things that they did. Try to remember people for the good. Amen. Is that a good word? So this, this remind, if, you, if you knew my father, if you ever met him, he would, if you ever came to the house, we ever went to his house, he would, as soon as you walk in the door, he, he won't stop giving you things. Are you, anybody know any Hispanics like that? He'll just like random stuff. You walk in and he'd be like, a stapler. Oh. He come back with some sunglasses that he, or more, mainly everything he finds in the street, because he, he always finds stuff in the street, brings it home. So he'll give you a stapler, uh, 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 um, some sunglasses, uh, some scotch tape, um, uh, a tennis racket. I, I've seen, and he'll just keep giving you things and, and, and random stuff. And, but he was just, he wanted you to, he just out of his fullness, he forgot, I got so much of this stuff. I got a closet full of book, and he had a closet full of junk. I, I just want to give this out, and he won't. And so then when it came to food, he was even worse. If you had to eat, ask my daughter if this ain't true. If, if he would feed you, you wouldn't get past, you wouldn't get toward the end of the meal before dessert came. And so he'd come from the kitchen with an ice cream pop. And he'd already have it open, so you have to eat it because he already, he already peeled it. You know what I'm saying? If it's open, you can't put it back. And so he put it in your hand, put it in your hand, put it in your hand, right? And it's already open, so he put it in your hand. So now you're, you're, you're just chewing the meat. You're just finishing the meat, and you got the, you're trying not to let this ice cream. <laughs> and, and, but he's giving you that. No, no longer did you finish the meat and start it on the ice cream does he come from the, from the kitchen with puddings. 
right, puddings? And, and what do you do? Of course, he opened the pudding, put a spoon in it. So you're like, papi, I, papi, papi, papi. I got meat, ice cream, and now you want pudding. <laughs> papi, papi, please. And so then, and, but you can't argue with it. It's already open. No, no, come on, come on. He get mad. Come on. So you're like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Then, then you didn't finish the pudding, you didn't finish the ice cream, you didn't finish the meat. He come with the malta, the big malta indio. <laughs> Open it. A malta, that's like a thousand calories too. Sugar. You leave there with diabetes every time. But he always wanted to give you. He always wanted to give you. That's a picture of God's grace, isn't it? That's a good picture of my dad. No matter what, the heart of the Father always wants to make it right. If you read most of the stories, most of the stories that you already know in the scriptures, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's not just a song, man. That's not just one passage. The truth is God has always been the seeker. Listen to me, you got to hear this. God, not us. He's the one that's seeking to make it right. Listen, we always hear people talking about their search for God. I used to share my testimony that way. When I was searching for God, man, I, we, 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 we never find God. God's not lost. Right? Who's lost? We're lost. God finds us. Since the beginning, every example that God gives in the scriptures, he's the seeker. I think we really need to get that, man. God is chasing you. And he won't relent. How many of you know you're here because he didn't relent? No matter how hard you tried, how far, how, how far you went, no matter how dirty you got, he didn't relent. You said, if I do this, then he definitely won't. And he's still, he's there in your dirt, in your funk, in your grime, loving you. Chasing you, seeking you since the beginning. I, I don't think we really, even <coughs> Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve fell, they didn't seek God. What they do? They hid and they covered themselves. And Adam comes to find them and he says, Adam, donde tu esta? I think he said it in Spanish. He said, Where, where are you, Adam? When, look, look, you want a picture of grace? When Cain killed Abel, the first kids. When Cain killed Abel, not only did God hear the blood, God here heard his voice from, from the ground, but he put a mark of protection on the oppressor. Read that story, Genesis. He put a mark of protection on the killer so that no one would hurt him. What kind of grace is that? The Apostle Paul, he was a zealous Jew. He loved religion so much that it caused him to hate people. Whoa. Paul is a picture. He's the prominent picture the world has of the church. Before Paul, the, the before Paul. We can get so religious that we can persecute and hurt and damage the people God loves. That was Paul. Who made it right? 
Did Paul make it right? Did Paul come to his senses? No. You might know the story. Paul was on his way to another city to continue his attack. Actually, he just got it sped up and ramped up. He was going to go, like, really go, go buck wild on the church and pull people out of the, uh, anybody that was in the way of Jesus, anybody that was, they called them people that were on the way. Uh, those were the Jesus followers. While he was on his way, Jesus showed up. <laughs> Have you ever been on the way to do something wrong? And, and Jesus showed up? Really? Is a lot of you? Like you knew where you were going, you had no business going. You knew what you were about to do, you had no business. To, you knew it was wrong. You felt it was wrong. You know you shouldn't have done it. You know this is the wrong thing to do. And, and God met you along the way. I've had, listen, I've had, I got funny stories. I won't share them, but just, just one time. I've had a few people tell me, I've had a few people tell me incredible stories about how they were on their way to do something that would have changed their lives forever. I'm talking about prison, infidelity, divorce, the whole nine, right? Something they knew was wrong, something, and out of nowhere they ran into me. (laughs) On the subway, they ran into me. At their jobs, they found out I work at their job. I'm not saying I'm Jesus, but... But he walks with me. Amen? Kanye? So Jesus, we know the other story. Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. He gave him such an encounter with God that he was knocked off his horse. And he was left blind for three days to wrestle with his theology. He had to come to the understanding that everything he thought was wrong, everything he was about to do, had, 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 that he, everything he'd done was wrong. And then God healed them and God used them mightily. If we look at it correctly, that's all of our stories. Luke 19 said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Anybody qualify? All we need is one encounter with God. Many of us can share our Damascus Road encounters. I believe we all have them. Some of them are, are huge. Some of them are tiny. Some of them are just like that. I was going to go kill somebody, and I run, I run into Pastor George at Port Authority, and he gave me a hug, and I knew I couldn't do it. I knew that God was watching me. Why would he be on that train at that time and run into me and where there's a million people going through Port Authority, and we run into each other? He's always working. He's always watching. He's always seeking. He's always desiring to make it right for us, even when it doesn't look like it. Do you think Paul's first thought, I never thought about the story this way. Do you think Paul's first thought was God is trying to make it right? Think about the story. He's thinking God threw me off a horse. God blinded me with light. God told me I was persecuting him, and now I'm blind. God is trying to kill me slowly. <laughs> right? Wouldn't you? Your first thought is not, oh, the love of God, the awesome, never. No. Your first thought is God is angry. God is going to kill me. And he's killing me slowly. I don't think Paul's first thought was God just wants to make it right. Sometimes God's interventions or lack of interventions look like that. I don't think God was, Paul was thinking, wow, God loves me. Sometimes there are these huge 
undeniable experiences. And sometimes it's just a small reminder of the love in the middle of the day from the least expected places. Anybody just come and gave you a hug out of nowhere? Anybody just come and bought your dinner, bought you lunch, bought a gift for your kid when you couldn't, you couldn't and, and they didn't know and you didn't tell nobody? And, and just every good and perfect gift is from God. Amen? Amen? I remember my, my night in Damascus like it was yesterday. And you could, you could be here, you could say, I already heard that story. Don't hate. If it was yours, you'd tell it every week. You, come on, you would. It's a good story. It was a Friday night. I was dressed in white. I had my set of beads underneath my clothes. The beads that were given to me when I was baptized into the religion. I thought, like Paul, that I was doing the right thing. I thought I was helping people. I was the youngest spirit medium in that hellhole of a church. And every Friday night here on Prospect Avenue in the Bronx, isn't it something that, that the enemy took me here in the Bronx? I had never been to the Bronx before. The enemy took me here in the Bronx and baptized me into a cult. And, and God brought me back to the Bronx to plant a church. Man. Man. So every Friday night here, there, I would uh, come into the service and I would surrender my body to what I thought was my spiritual guides. Side note, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's the Lord Christ Jesus. So any of you entertaining spiritual guides, if you're reading that kind of nonsense, if you're reading books about that kind of nonsense, let me say it again. Scripture, there is one God and one mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5, and it's Jesus. It's not some Spanish santo with crutches. It's not some santa nothing. Okay, enough said. Any other spiritual guides are not from God. Remember the devil and his demons are spiritual too. And so every Friday night, man, we do that. We seek our guides, and every medium at the table will call out somebody in the building who's had some kind of witchcraft done to them. This is a piritismo, in case you don't know what I'm talking about. And, um, and the others would pray. So at, at one point, every medium at the table would get possessed by that evil spirit, and the others would pray to bring freedom. It was the scariest, most terrifying time of my life, but I wanted to help people, and I thought I was serving God. I'm going to give you a little side note here because it's October. <laughs> if you could see what was happening all around us in the spiritual world, if you could see the darkness and experience the battles, you wouldn't be decorating your houses for Halloween. If you could see with your spiritual eyes, Halloween wouldn't be so fun for you. You can't call it a Christian home all year and then for one month fill it with witches and darkness and incantations and then come into November like Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, but somebody got to tell you the truth. Amen. Let's move on. Let's move on. I just ruined people's parties. Some people are all tight with me right now. 
I knew I shouldn't have come. It's stupid. I should have stayed home in the rain today. <laughs> Dang, spend $80 on that outfit. <laughs> hey, knock yourself out, man. If you're going to sin, sin hard. Sin big. Sin, <laughs> sin boldly. But, but, but then, you know, wear it to church next Sunday. Let me pray for you in that outfit. You know? So, all right, so let's go back to the story. So every Friday night, I, I wanted to be used of God, and I wanted to be used by God. And, and, <coughs> and I said, if, 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 this is, if this is what God had for me, then I was willing to endure the terror that I experienced every night as I was tormented by these spirits. For an entire year, I cried every night like a little child in fear. I was 18, 19 years old already. During the day, I thought I was a hot shot. At night, I cried like a little baby. I was so scared. I was so tormented. I was so terrorized. I would wake up drenched in sweat because you try to remain, you know when you try to remain still so the cuckoo don't grab your leg? Right? But that was me all night because the cuckoo was grabbing my leg. There's a difference. There's a difference between fairy tales and the spiritual and what really exists in the spiritual. There are battles, evil and darkness and goodness every day around us. If we would see it with our eyes, we would never cease praying. So I was constantly threatened and feared for my life whenever I was alone at night. Come 11 o'clock at night, that was my most terrorizing time of the day. I hated the night time. And then one night, I was, that Friday night, God came for me. I was dressed. I was ready to go. And God used these little Spanish Pentecostal ladies who had been at a prayer vigil up the block at Siloé. They had been at a prayer vigil since the night before. You know, some of us, we complain the prayer goes over an hour. They've been praying since the night before. On their knees. Hairy knees, but whatever. Old. Elderly. Praying, and so they came, and they came down the block, and they walked up to me, big study Bibles, you know, with a thousand, you know, notes and, and post-its and, and folding and fold bulletins and culto corrido or whatever, right? And they, and they came to me, and, they, and they, they, they walked up to me, and they said, God wants to speak to you. And so I went back into the little dark. Me and, me and Michelle were fighting outside because she used to fight me every night. She wasn't serving God, but she knew it was wrong. And I just want to do what God called me to do. And so I wasn't going to let this girl stop me. And so we were fighting in front of the door like we did every Friday night. I'm dressed in white, my beads on underneath, ready to do battle with the enemy. And, and God says, I need you to, I want to talk to you. And so we, <laughs> we went back down into that little dark basement. And as the lady began to speak to me, the light intensified in the room. And I, until I couldn't stand any longer, I fell to the floor like Paul. And, and her tiny voice increased in power until I couldn't hear her any longer. And right there, God spoke to me about the things that only I knew, things I never told nobody. And he called me out of the darkness and he told me this exactly. I've called you. I have called you. I have set you apart. Because that's the things that the people in the religion had told me. You're special. You're 
you're anointed, you're gifted. God has given you gifts to do battle in his kingdom. And so they had told me that. I never told anybody else that. Only I knew that in God. He said, I have called you. I have set you apart, but not for this. And he told me right then and there about the beautiful ministry that he would one day give me and my wife, Michelle, who was my girlfriend at the time, who is still my wife today. And, and, and listen, the most incredible thing, here's what I, I want you to get. The watch ain't even on. I'm just, you know, making you feel better. The most, the most... The most incredible thing that happened that night, it wasn't the light. You would think like all the the showy stuff, right? It wasn't the light. It wasn't the voice. It wasn't the prophecy. It wasn't that God spoke to me. It was the peace. It was the peace that God deposited on me. It was the shalom of God. His peace. That he he put on me. And, And so God took my life that night and he made it right. He took my heart and he made it right. He took my desires and he made it right. He took my fear and he made it right. That was over 30 years ago. I no longer live in fear. Not a minute. Not a minute. Not a minute. So that night, listen, for the first time in a full year, I was able to sleep without terror or torment. First night. You ever like haven't slept for a long time and then you get that that night's sleep? And it's amazing. That was for a full year. I was scared, terrified to go to sleep. 11 o'clock terrified me. Like a bell rang and and I would be shaken. I used to watch The Odd Couple and The Honeymooners with my mother. How many? That was at 11, 10, 30 and 11. And I knew that after that she was going to make me go to sleep. And hated it. That was the biggest my biggest fear. That night, I slept without terror or torment. When I told my family, they said, you can't walk away from that. How many of my Spanish people like? You can't walk away from that. They told me, they'll come after you. You can't just leave. I said, I already did. I, I tore down the altar. I smashed up those plastic saints, those porcelain saints. I ripped up the bees. I destroyed any connection that I had to that thing. And now I pray for people that tell me they have fear. I pray for people that tell me they struggle with fear because I'm a caretaker of grace. I'm a caretaker of the peace that he's given me. What he's given me, I can give to you. I'm a caretaker of it. I can, I've been blessed to be a blessing. Amen? God came for me, and, and, and listen, he's coming to meet you. And their encounters set up. I, I, as I was doing this this week and, and really going through this, I really believe it. God, there's an encounter set up for you. Even now, this message is an encounter in some of you. And this is going to sound real crazy, but as I was writing this, I kept hearing the old song from the few Fugees. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. I'm going to find you. And make you want me, ready or not. Come on. Not in, 
Not in a creepy way. I don't, I don't, not, not like, I don't want you to be scared, like, ready or not, here I come. No, God, ready or not, God, I'm going to find you and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to find you and I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to find you and I'm going to open doors for you. And I'm going to embrace you and I'm going to take you in. So, so don't be scared. There's nobody going, ready or not. I know I made it creepy. Right? But no, right? it's just the, the arms of the Father saying, ready or not, here I come. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to make you want me. I'm going to make it right. Amen? Now, it doesn't always look like the Father's heart is trying to make it right. You, you may not have caught this, but I was in this for a full year, and all I wanted to do was serve God, and I would pray. I said, God, if I don't have to go through this, don't let me sleep like this another night. Let me get rid of this torment. Why? And, and at the same time, my mother, because I was wilding out in school, because I was started, it was high school, I was at Bronx Science, I, it was, I was losing my mind, and I was doing all kinds of, she, she started having, doing um, we, we call it in, 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 we call it trabajos, but it's witchcraft. And she started paying them so that, so that, so that um, for my protection, right? But, but we don't realize, I mean, we grew up with this in the Spanish culture, in, in, the, in the Haitian culture. We grew up with this. We think that it's part of our culture, that it's the right thing. And so she would pay. They would take hundreds of dollars from her to pay for these jobs so that saints would bless me, so that angels would follow me. And all she was doing was having more demons surround me. She had things under my bed. She had things in my clothes. And she didn't realize. She, this is, she was trying to do the right thing. I don't blame her for this. This is what we understood. But they, I had more and more persecution and more torment and more... And God broke all of that. Amen. But listen, I, I could go back and, and sometimes I would, I would go back and, and in the beginning and I would say, God, why would you let me go through that for so long? You ever ask God, like, why? Why would you allow this? You ever been through some tough things in church? Been through some tough things in your life when you're serving God, when you're going to church, when you're trying to do the right thing? God, why would you allow this? And, and, and I would ask God, why did you let me go through this for so long? Like a year is a long time. Why didn't you rescue me sooner? Anybody ever felt that? Why didn't you stop this from happening altogether? And then, and then here it was. When I first, I was working in youth ministry after, later on. And when I saw the first young person walk into church and I peeped the beads popping out of his shirt. And I said, oh, 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 I know why. It's not about me. That's why, because it wasn't about me. A lot of things we go through, it's not about you. God's preparing you to make you a steward of his grace for somebody else. And so I got to talk to young people, and I got to share with them, and I would tell them, and I would touch them, because I knew you're not supposed to let nobody touch those beads. So I purposely touched them, and, and they would say, oh, whoa, 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 you can't do that, bro. You don't understand the saints. I said, what, the saints, the demons, what are they going to do? The saints, what are they going to do? They're going to punish me? They're going to touch me? I said, bro, I know them all by name. They have no power. They have no power. And I remember one guy, I was, in, I was in Panera. I was in Panera with a young person. And, and he told me, we were sharing about this, and I'm telling him how he needs to get out of this. I said, you need to tear down. He had a little altar in his closet. And <coughs> 
parents, check your kids' rooms. I don't care. Check them. He had a little altar in his closet because his uncle had brought him into the religion and he'd been baptized and he had the beads and he had the, the, the Guerrero and he had the Santos. In his, he had a little altar in his closet and, and the spirits used to talk to him from there. And he was terrified. He was living in fear because he had to keep feeding these things. And that's the mindset of this. You have to feed. Listen, any God you have to feed is not God. He's not God. My God feeds me. And so I remember I was meeting with him and I was telling him, you got to get out of that, bro. You got to break that. That's why you're struggling. That's why you're messing with it. That's why. He said, no, man, you got to stop talking. As a matter of fact, I got to go. I got to go now before it gets late because I got to get home and my car hasn't been starting. And I'm scared now that it's not going to start. If, if a santo knows that we were talking about this, my car's not going to start. And I felt so bold. I said, your car's going to 100% start. I guarantee it to you right now. He said, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. Let's go. We went to the car. Room, one shot. I was scared, though, for a minute, but, you know. <laughs> when you take a step out in faith, you know, it's risky, right? That's the mystery of God's grace. It never comes too late. And you don't know when it's going to come. You don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know how he's going to rescue you and deliver you. You don't know how he's going to make it right. And, you, and sometimes you don't know why. You don't know when until, until you do. And then it's beautiful. And then it's beautiful. Somebody say amen. amen. Worship team, you guys can come. Wow, it's a, it's a peaceful Sunday right now in the rain, amen? I feel like we're like at home in our living room just kind of chilling. I want to start a fire, just, just sit around and talk. We're going to do, do that next door. As a matter of fact, we're going to invite those of you that haven't been, those of you that are new, you don't know us maybe, and you, man, I'll just invite you next door to have a little lunch with us and, and get to know us. Here's the, here's the twist with this message. How I many of you know there's always got to be a challenge? There's some things that God is calling you to make it right. God is the seeker. God is the one that comes after us. God is the one that does. So God is the gracious one. God is the loving one. God is the caring one. But God also puts things on us that we got to go and make right. And even if, even if we're talking about something simple as you haven't connected with some of your adopted brothers and sisters here. And you got issues with somebody. And you're giving people the, the side eye because you think this or you think that. Or you think people are giving you the side eye because you think that and you think that. You know, we have, most of our insecurities are our own. Some people come and tell me, you know, and I know everybody in the church is talking about you, talking about me, you know, and they, and I, and they say, and I think the, my first thought is, why would everybody be talking about you? You hardly come. <laughs> You're not a part of anything. Why are they talking about you? If anything, they're talking about me. <laughs> Most of our things are our own, right? We have to come here and say, man, this is the sanctuary. This is a safe place. And I got to do my part to make this a safe place. 
So if you've ever given somebody the, the side eye, make it right today. Oh, man, that's ugly. I know some of you would rather we do an altar call, let you come to the front and cry and get mocos. You know that that's, that's easy. It's easy to be spiritual in church. It's easy to be on the outside, oh, my God. And then you can say, wow, you know, I went to the front, God touched me. No. If God really touched you, you'll walk that thing out. Right? God doesn't always have to touch you here. It's beautiful when he does. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful when he does. Sometimes we just need to get up and cry and get it all out. Amen? And that's good. I'm not, we need that. We need times of that. But there's also times where we get the word we need tonight, walk it out. Right? You fall and get up. If it hurts when you get up, get up anyway. And walk this thing out. There might be something that God is pressing you right now to make right. It might be in here, it might be home, it might be someplace else. I'm going to encourage you to not come forward. I'm going to encourage you to go out and make it right. You might have to get your relationship right with God. Make it right. You might have had encounters with God that you still haven't done what he told you to do or, or to walk in. Do you know that after that big encounter, you would think that Sunday I, came, I went to church and I was a Christian my whole life after that? You know, I didn't. That's, that, that was a Friday night. That Sunday I didn't go to church. I, I wasn't part of a church, I, you know. But you would think I'd find the church that Sunday, right? The light hit me. I fell to the floor. God spoke to me. I heard his voice. He confirmed me. He set me free. You think that Sunday I'd be in church? I wasn't. I was sleeping in like most of us did. It wasn't until later on I had another encounter where I needed God. And I asked God and I challenged him. I said, God, if you show up in this, I'll go to church. And he did, and I did, and then I never left. <laughs> I watched last week how people waited for an hour, hour and a half to get a word from God. And it's beautiful. A lot of us were blessed last week. Amen. But here's my challenge today. What have you done with the word you got? What have you done with the other words you've gotten? Some of you have gotten words for years in your Christian walk. And you ain't walking one of them yet. Can I talk to you like family? Some of us are too old for me to tell you grow up. But we need to grow up and get it right. Amen? We need to make it right. And I believe God is calling us as a church, as a body, as a people, as a family to, to make it right. Here's the last quote for you. Grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. Say amen. amen. Now let's stand. Let's worship. Listen, right now as we worship, if you need to make your heart right with God, you don't need nobody here to touch you. You don't need nobody here to tell you anything. You already know what you got to do, so do it. I encourage you to do it. And then this week, when we leave here, this week, look for those encounters. Look for those God sightings, those places where God's going to show up and show you something. Where God's going to show up and speak to you. Where God's going to open an opportunity for you to walk in. And that means this probably has to do with somebody else. Come on, let's worship, man.